I've been talking about the Lord's Prayer the, in Luke, uh, after, where the disciples came to Jesus and said to him, teach us how to pray, teach us how to pray like John the Baptist. And we've spent some time thinking about the fact that Jesus didn't really want to speak and teach them how to pray like John the Baptist, because John the Baptist uh, had a vision of God that was distant, had a vision of God that was impersonal, had a vision of God of judgment. He was, a, he was a great man with a vision of his time, but he had no revelation of God as Father. There's a huge difference. Many, many of us need ongoing revelations of who God is. If I were to ask each person to come up here right now and say, tell me about who God is for you, that would tell you what your revelation is of him. Is the, is the God that you, you, you know right now one who likes you? Is he one who loves you? Is he one who is there for you? Is he one who you trust? Is he one who brings you alive? Is he one who is full of relationship with you? Is he one that you trust with your future and your present? Is he one that you know heals everything that's scarred in your past? Who is he for you? Because who he is will come out of your heart and mouth. I was reading something this week. or Actually, I came across it when I went to fetch David. I went into the Christian bookstore and I picked up a book called When Jesus Became King of the Earth or something like that by a guy called N.T. Wright, who's very respectable. He's a very respectable theologian. So someone like me, I like to pick these things up because then I can quote them quickly and become legit. Because he's basically saying what we're talking about, but he's saying it in a more kind of academic and conservative way. And one of the things he was saying was that the church has these creeds. You know, I believe in God the Father uh, and, you know, the creeds of the church that are spoken since the fourth century where the church had to declare what it believed because there was so much heresy going on but there was a big mistake made and that was that in the creeds they talk about the birth and the virgin birth of jesus they talk about the death and resurrection of jesus and what um, norman wright was saying was that we've left out the middle and he said for the, for most of the church they talk about the creeds which are creedal statements about what we believe about the birth of jesus and the death of jesus but we don't actually, we've ignored the whole purpose of his life on earth, which was to declare the kingdom. And so many of us have grown up in churches where we don't even know what the kingdom is. And the kingdom is where God rules, God is present. And when Jesus came into this world, he said, the kingdom of heaven is among you. And the religious people said, we don't know what you're talking about. In fact, we're offended by you. And so many churches just took Jesus' teaching and wrapped it up in another creed and they went back to what they were used to. Do you ever notice you might do that? You're a little inspired for a moment, then you go defaulting back to what you're used to. It's very common. And so the whole power and the, the vibrancy of what Jesus did began to sort of slide downhill through the centuries because the church lost its way. And it ended up with belief systems, but no power. It ended up with creedal systems that everybody quoted but no passion and when the enlightenment came in the 17th 18th century and people began to use reason they just talked their way out of things and into other things they said we can't understand these and jesus is not rational and i mean by that the things that jesus does cannot be reasoned through beyond a certain point you can just start off with reason but it doesn't get you anywhere reason will not enable you to understand how somebody who died 2000 years ago on a cross can forgive you of your sins but you can experience that reason can take you to the place of jump but it can't explain what happens when you jump 
And when I'm talking about opening hearts, I'm talking about jumping. I'm talking about the experience of putting into practice what you say in the creeds and what you say you believe. Which is why Jesus, very often when he went to people, he said, what do you want? And he said that to a blind man. He said that to a crippled man. He said that often to people. What do you want? And you would say, well, it's obvious what he wants. He wants to be healed. He wants this and he wants that. And he says, no, not necessarily. There are lots of people who don't want to be healed because if they heal, they have to be responsible. So they'd rather be in a victim mentality all their lives. There are lots of people who sabotage what God wants to do because then I have to change. I, I prefer being in my, my crippledness because at least I know that. And so people use belief systems to God and actually protect themselves from the very one whom they say they believe. It's the difference between religion and relationship. It's very common. And that's why I'm not joking when I talk about opening hearts to Him. Because it's your heart that gives away where you really are. I mean, you can talk yourself a line every direction you like. You can talk about all kinds of things. But basically, if I'm talking to you, I'm just saying, tell me your experience of God. What's He like? Another time I'll see you, I'll say, so what did you do this week? And you'll speak with passion about whatever it is you did. I love gardening. And you light up and you talk about gardening. And I talk about God and you silence downright. You go, I know where your passion is. There's nothing wrong with the gardening. Speak with passion. But God wants the same passion. It's real simple. By your fruit you will be known. You can't eat your own fruit. Other people pluck it off your branches. So you, you, you can tell me whatever you like, but I'll just take a bite and see for myself. You don't have a lot of love in you. You don't have a lot of patience. You don't have a lot of kindness. You're not very forgiving. Or you are. You say, but I'm only human. You go, I know. That's why Jesus came. Jesus came to make humans extraordinary. He came so that humans would say, it's not me, it's God in me, because me, believe me, couldn't do that. That's why you need... Christians are people who walk around with these around themselves all the time. Never leave home without it. Why? Because I need constant charging. The black's the father, the red's the son, and the power's the Holy Spirit. And you better be connected because you cannot do what he asks us to do without it. A laptop battery, I've just been looking at laptops, lasts about eight hours and the, some of them are six hours. How long is your battery? You're still trying to go it on your own with a bit of knowledge and information and a good experience on a Sunday morning. It's not working, is it? But the issue is who's in charge, who's God? For many of us, we just want God to top us up and then we can do what we like until it breaks down again and then we say, please help me. And he's gracious, so he does. By the way, this isn't meant to be depressing, it's just meant to be helpfully true. So John said something really important. John the Baptist, he said when he saw Jesus, he said, I've just got a reality check and I have to decrease and he has to increase. It's one of the hallmarks of the Christian life. I start living and say, I have to decrease. I meaning me and my will and my rebellion. And he has to increase. It's just a good posture. You see, lots of good things come out of relationship. I told you the story before, but I'll tell it to you again. Jesus is about establishing the kingdom, which is his power presence. So Jesus was the first one who came to earth with uh, jump cables. And he, they say, what's that? And they say, well, that's my father and me. We, we, don't, we, we just are connected all the time. That's why I can heal the sick. That's why I don't kill you and I love you because you irritate me at times. But I'm gracious to you because it's the spirit of God in me that enables me to not kill you. 
Because Peter, I find you incredibly nauseating at times and irritating. And all the others too. It's why I could sit in synagogues for years and years and years and listen to people preach about stuff that was heresy. But my father told me I had to do it until I was 30 years old. And I went, come on, when are you going to get this thing going? Imagine that, being the son of God, sitting in church every day. Listening to people like me talking. And you go, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Amazing grace. Jump cables come with Jesus. They are power connectors to enable us to become what we're not ourselves. So the first revelation we need is a revelation of what the kingdom is like without God. And that revelation brings us to the place of saying, I need help. The story I've told you before is one that sticks with me and it's embarrassing in some ways, but it's, a, it's one that helps me understand the kingdom. Is when I grew up in South Africa and grew up in a country that was very oppressed at the time. Um, you know, the laws changed all the time to, to, to please the government. And I grew up as a teenager just knowing I was going to the army. There was, no, there was no freedom coming when you left school. It was you going to the army. You didn't know whether you were going to the Navy, the Air Force, or the army, but most of us would go to the army. And you wouldn't know if you'd go to the army, whether you'd go on to the, after three months basic training, go on to the Angolan border, the Caprivi Strip, which was fighting Angola and... They said the Russians, um, and whether you would come home alive. Um, there was turmoil all over the country, uh, and it was an oppressive place. If you were white, it wasn't bad, as long as uh, you kept in your areas. And I grew up like that. I went to the army, and uh, you see the bigotedness, and you see the small-mindedness of people who are afraid to lose their identities. You see the inevitability of violence coming. We marched in the streets in Cape Town, faced within uh, 10 feet, guns, riot police, um, tear gas, dogs. Because you said, well, we believe blacks and whites should be educated the same, and the government said no. Um, and we could have... I was in a group of 10,000 downtown Cape Town one day, and they could easily have shot into the crowd. You didn't know. It's not a fun place to be. And then I spent about five or seven years um, trying to avoid getting into the follow-up camps for the army. Um, my brother-in-law was killed on Ang in Angola, um, like many who died, uh, because they were celebrating the last night on the border and the truck flipped and some of them were killed. A friend of mine who I visited in, in England, actually, her brother... Uh, was traumatized because his best friend was on the border with him and he, he was, his best friend was shot and he watched him dying in his arms his head blown apart um, violence is, was all over the place it was, a, it was a bad kingdom it was a bad realm so eventually we decided maybe you know this wasn't a good place to bring up children so maybe we should go overseas and so saying Lord where do we go and Eventually, I mean, I think I'd sent one letter to Canada and got a phone call from Port Alberni. Came to Port Alberni and I walked into the house across in South Crescent and I thought I'd die and had gone to heaven. I was 33 or 4 years old and, and it felt like this is the first place in the world ever that I could feel like I could make a home. It was the promised land. It was a gift of God, maybe, but where this leads is I was still present I can change my country 
but I'm still there. And when I got into the promised land, I still had to grow up. And I didn't know that in the promised land I would go through oh, betrayal, adultery, divorce, depression, despair, suicide, and back again. Because it all depends on the relationships with the one who releases power. You can change your environment. You can get the house you need. But you're still there. And that's why Jesus came and said, I come to bring you life. But you need me. Without me you can do nothing. And all the things that you long for, all the things that you try to get in your own strength will never, ever, ever bring you life. It doesn't matter who you are. And the only thing that bears witness to life is Jesus. And when you know that, everything else doesn't taste quite as good. Even though you keep on sampling. So Jesus talks to the disciples about saying the Lord's Prayer. And he says, when you pray, say, Our Father. Because he's talking about relationship. And said, you really need to know God as Father. Who is in heaven and holy is his name. He's not like you. He's other. Your kingdom come, your will be done in, on earth as in heaven. Which means, Lord, I recognize that I cannot understand who you are. I cannot bring your kingdom. I just need to acknowledge that you are God. And he talks about forgive us this day our daily, uh, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against others. And he moves it down into saying, I want you to know that God cares about you and he will give you your daily bread, but just live in that consciousness that he is your provider. And then as he provides, then you realize the grace that you're under and you realize that his love is so passionately for you, that he calls you son and daughter, that he is your father and he provides bread for you and water for you. He says, I want you to also just know that you need to watch and, and care for the relationships you have. That your forgiveness and unforgiveness and your issues of anger are important. And that God actually sees that. And he says, as I have loved you, you are to love one another. That means you lay down your life. That means you stop strutting around with your rights. You start living with a humility in your heart that says others matter. And the disciples listen to all of this. And then Jesus goes from that prayer. And he goes into that story that we've heard a number of times, which is about the one who... His friend comes to him for bread and he doesn't have bread. And so he goes to another friend and he says to his, he knocks on the door of his friend. He knocks at midnight and he says to him at midnight, wake up. And the guy says, well, I'm not getting up because I'm asleep. I don't know how he talks in his sleep. But anyway, he, he, I'm not getting up and my children are asleep and, and there's this racket going on. Um, but eventually he opens the door and what's the word that he says? He says that um, because of your shameless audacity, we'll surely get up and give you as much as you need. Shameless audacity, your hunger for something, your desperation for something. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm desperate for the power of the Lord. I'm not talking about desperate for the power of the Lord to sort of have a happy, clappy ceremony. I'm not talking about uh, the crap that goes on in the Christian world about just entertain me, Lord, bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me. I'm not talking about that. It's insipid and it's ridiculous. There are so many people chasing after another experience and they can't even love their neighbor. It's, we're growing out of that. I'm not saying we don't need that. I'm merely just saying it's not the reason. 
The reason is, Lord, I need you so that I can become what you desire me to be in the world in which you call me to live. Some people are trying to live in the world in their own strength in the name of Jesus and they get burned because they're, not, they're just naturally natural. There's nothing remarkable. They don't have any power to bring about change. But Jesus says something interesting at the end of that prayer and that's what strikes me and that's what I'm building to. It's like a crescendo. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. Everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks the door will be opened. He says, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? If he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give you whatever you ask? doesn't say that, does it? How much more will your Father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit? And you go, but I didn't ask for the Holy Spirit. I asked for bread. And God the Father says, when I open the door and I give you what you ask for, it always comes with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is bread. The Holy Spirit is life. The Holy Spirit is forgiveness. Everything you come to the Father for, He just says, let the Holy Spirit take care of it. I don't believe in the Holy Spirit. I guess you'd be hungry then. Everything climaxes in that passage with how much more will the Father give you the Holy Spirit? Because the Holy Spirit is the power of God that trickles through this thing and, and releases power. The Father is creator. The Son opened up the way for the Holy Spirit to be released by His blood on the cross. And the Holy Spirit is released in order that we who live on this earth can be citizens of a new kingdom. But you can't be citizens of a new kingdom with a theory in your head about what it's like. That's why it's got to be real for us. And that's why God says, just come to me and let me love you. And out of my love for you, you will have all that you need. Because what life becomes then is I just live in the presence of God, my Father. And wherever I go, I trust that he will give me what I need. And sometimes he will give me things and other times he'll just say, just be yourself and I'm giving it to you. I'm giving through who you are. We just relax with life and pay attention. Does it make sense to you? It's living from the inside out with peace and confidence, recognizing that God is in the process of creating character in you that will bring about remarkable change. He must increase, I must decrease. And that's why in John 15, he really just says, he uses the parable of the, or the, the example of the vine, and he just says, abide in me. He says, if you abide in me, everything else will flow from that. And I just want to encourage you this morning, uh, you know, we keep on getting complicated. It's really simple. Just keep abiding, which means keep open to Jesus in your heart. Keep open to what he wants to do. And, if, and, and we need one another. On Tuesday night, we, w- we will be having the building blocks or basic Christianity course at 7 o'clock. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit for the next three weeks. You know, come along. The more you position yourself in places where God can grow you, the more He will grow you. But the problem with the Holy Spirit is that you can, these things are dangerous. I mean, you just touch them when they've got power in them. They are dangerous. Right? If I had a battery up here and I said to somebody, come and hold these, nobody would come up, and not in your right mind anyway. You'd go, why? Because I'm going to get blasted. What happens if it was like that with God? What happens if that was your experience of God? That He is powerful. But He doesn't blast you to give you a shock. He just fills you. But in the filling of us, 
stuff has to leave. Stuff has to be let go of. And there's stuff we carry around that just inhibits his flow. And he's always working for it with us to say, you don't need that anymore. Let, me, let my power get rid of that so that you can take hold of this. That's how it works. Abide in me so that I can... Have, I've got some grapevines. I was putting up a new support for them yesterday or started it. And these grapevines are just lying on the ground now. They've got buds on them. You know, if you're quiet, you can listen to them going, Oh! Oh! It's quite noisy. Drops of sweat under those vines. The effort it takes to produce grapes, push out the buds. Fruit trees. I mean, it's a noisy place at this time of the year. The effort. Of course, I'm talking nonsense. They just hang around and things grow. It's the same with Jesus. There's one thing I'm learning, and that is patience, of just abiding, of just saying, Lord, whenever. I've given up because I really don't understand it. I just go, whenever. That doesn't mean I'm not alert, and it doesn't mean I'm not stepping into things. I'm just going, I don't control the outcome. So I just have to be obedient with the present as best I can. How's it going for you? Well, that's good. Last passage, Acts chapter 8. We read it uh, last week with David. The apostles had, uh, they were going around, uh, Philip was going around laying hands on people and doing great signs and miracles. I mean, verse 14, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers. Listen to this. Philip had done signs and wonders and miracles and, and, and people had been healed and the new believers were there. But the apostles from Jerusalem uh, prayed for the new believers that they are there, that they might receive the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the first disciples realized you needed the power of the Holy Spirit to be the followers of Jesus. Because they had followed Jesus before his crucifixion and after his crucifixion. They said there's a huge difference. Huge difference. Simon was so intent on being increased with Jesus that he broke. And when he decreased and had nothing, Jesus released his spirit into him and said, Now I can use you. So the good news is it's not dependent on you. The bad news is you've got to die. As Graham Cook says, do it quietly. Most of our whining and most of our struggle is with us being alive and God's trying to kill us. Many of us hold each other's hands and pray for, each, for God to keep the dead part alive. We feel sorry for each other. We have pity parties together. We pray for hours and he says, kill it. What do you mean kill it? Just die. What does that mean? He just says, let it go. Let me grow up in you. But for that you need the Spirit. Let's stand and you can receive more of the Spirit right now. Let's just ask God's spirit, because Father, thank you that you are the same God who was present when Philip walked the earth. You're the same God that when Jesus walked the earth, you're the same Holy Spirit that has been throughout history. So we have two containers that can actually, I've often, I have prayed before for God to punch a hole through our necks, linking up our hearts to our heads. Father, I pray that today as well. I just pray you punch a hole from the head to the heart so that what's in our heads would trickle down into our hearts and what's in our hearts would trickle up into our heads. Now you know yourself. You know what kind of person you are. 
You might have a big head and a small heart, or you might have a small heart and a big head. Or they might be coming into proportion because you've given Jesus permission. But you know who you are right now. You know what your life's like. You know how much strength you feel you have. You know what you, your situation. And, and God's here this morning to not condemn you at all. There's nothing condemning in this. It's just kind of, why would you push a car around if you could get gas? And it doesn't help to have a testimony of what the gas was like in the car three days ago. If I run out of gas, I need to know where to get more gas. So if you want God's Holy Spirit, you first of all, the way to get the Holy Spirit is, Jesus, I come before your cross and I thank you for that you've gone to the cross for my sin. And you go, that's academic. That's, I mean, I've done that a thousand times. And he says, no, there's attitudes in your heart. There's things in you that I just, I'm, I'm wanting you to tell me about right now. There are things that I'm pointing out to you that are getting in the way. And I'm just lovingly, you say, will you give that to me? You just come to the cross and give me. Maybe it's unbelief. Maybe it's fear of God. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's God, you know, you're taking too long to work. And he says, don't come to me with your circumstances. Come to me with you and I will change your circumstances. So the Holy Spirit, I just pray for you to gently whisper into our hearts anything that's getting in the way. Maybe we've got stagnant. We've quoted scriptures. We know all about you, Jesus, and we've got stale. We've got you in our hip pocket, and we tra drag you out, and we can say the four spiritual laws, and we can, we can chatter away, but ultimately we run our lives completely as we like. And you're just wanting to be able to have a bit more freedom to guide us. Maybe we've lost our love for people to irritate us. People are just an inconvenience. We ask you, Father, to take that irritation. We've lost our love. Maybe we don't even like ourselves anymore. But the Father just wants to embrace and says, I love you. I haven't given up on you. You're a piece of work, I know that. But I, I haven't given up on you. When I look at you, I smile and I say, Boy, I just can't wait to get my hands on your life again. There's so many cool things that we can do together. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. So to receive the Holy Spirit, we have to come to the cross. Cross is where we in this realm die. Say, oh God, I don't ask you to forgive me in some depressive way. I just ask you to forgive me because I haven't been what you would want me to be. I can't be it. And I even confess to you I've tried in my own strength. And it just gets really tiring and so I give up. So the cross is like coming to a shower and we just come and stand under the shower and he says, well, let me clean you now. Let me set you free from all that condemnation and shame. And I ask you to do that. The blood of Jesus, just wash us this morning, Lord, with your cleansing. No more shame, no more tears, no more pain. We're not alone. I declare victory over the, the lies of the enemy who would lie to us and try and destroy what Jesus wants to release into us. In the name of Jesus, I silence the voice of the enemy. In the name of Jesus, I command him to be gone from this place. Only the voice of Jesus, who never condemns. And as he's cleansed you and as he says I, I, I forgive you be forgiven receive forgiveness receive cleansing right now receive it it doesn't take long and it doesn't have to be tr hugely torturous grace is wonderful receive grace just receive grace you are accepted you are you are accepted even you are accepted why? because Jesus went to the cross for you sometimes we have to go back to the basics even Jesus went to the cross for you you are accepted yes you're going to screw up tomorrow you're still accepted because of what Jesus has done. Now he says, I have done that for you. Now I'm calling you into life with me. And maybe for some of us, we have to give him our independent, rebellious, opinionated spirit. It's a mouthful, but you can fill it up any way you like. 
But maybe we just need to say, Lord, I ask you to forgive me and I give you my will. I give you my theologies. I give you my opinions. I give you the ways I think. I give you the ways I build my justification for what I believe. I just give it all to you and say, you can sift it through again. And then receive the Spirit, which is just like a floodgate of His, it's just like the, the charger coming in. Father, I ask you to fill everyone here with your Holy Spirit, with power, with presence, with passion, with whatever you want to pour out in them. So you just welcome the Holy Spirit. Some people feel things, other people don't feel much at all. That doesn't mean anything. Just receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. That means opening your heart and just saying, Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are in me because Jesus is my Lord. Thank you that you're giving me power right now to overcome things that I want to talk to you about. He says, I know, I've got them. But Father, above all, I pray the Holy Spirit will release so that we will know the love of the Father in our hearts right now. You are not alone, you're not an orphan. You do not have to strain and just be abiding like the vine and let him flow through you. He's fun to be with, he's gentle, he's tough, he's strong, but he loves you. He just says, this is how I just want you to be with me day by day. See what happens. I'll talk to you, I'll create circumstances that you just go, whoa. You go out into nature and you'll think of me like you didn't think before. You'll cry because I'm melting your heart and I'll make you come alive. When I come alive in you, I'll heal your relationships. I'll restore relationships. Father, bless what you're doing among us. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you. The Holy Spirit is for us today what Jesus was, the power and presence of the Father. So just stay in this place with him. We're going to break bread together because Jesus loves to share a meal with us as a sim symbol of his love and his care, of our need for community. Sometimes one of the ways we can do it is just to breathe in and out and listen to our breath and just breathe in His Spirit and just say, Thank you, Jesus. I receive your Spirit. And I breathe out all the stuff that I don't need. Whatever helps you, get in touch with it. It promises you it's not about feelings. I get so few feelings. I wish I got more in the sense of the, you know, the sense of things. He's doing a bit more, but I'm just saying it's not, not a measure of anything. So don't get discouraged if you don't feel things. But just receive the love of the Father. Because He's giving you power for whatever you came in with today that you were unresolved about or struggling with. He just said, I'm releasing my power and my, my presence for that in you right now.